Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. All right, well, let's look to God's Word together uh, as we go forward. I'm starting a new series. This has been planned for months and months um, in it, and it just so happened that we're starting it online and everything that goes along with that. But we're going to start a series in First Samuel, First Samuel. And I love the book of First Samuel. It's one of my favorite, favorite books. And there's a lot of interesting characters in the Bible, and I think that's why I like it so much. Uh, and so over the next several weeks or months, I, I have it generally laid out for the next few weeks, but you never know when I get into it. For instance, this week I thought I was going to cover two characters, and I'm only doing one. So we're just going to take our time, learn and grow from it. But we're going to look at the characters in First Samuel and then apply the lessons of their life to our lives. Now, you can learn from everyone in your life. You can learn from bad examples of what not to do. You can learn from good examples of what to do. When I'm doing premarital counseling, I'll, I'll always ask the couples, what is it from your family growing up that you want to incorporate into your new family? We can learn from all examples. And what is it from your family growing up that you might want to exclude from your new family. We can learn from bad examples. We can learn from good examples. And one of the things that I love about the Bible is that it's so real. The Bible shows us real people. These aren't made-up people. These aren't fictional people. Uh, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat the flaws of the people in it. It doesn't hide their inner imperfections. In fact, I think in some ways it highlights those imperfections so that Jesus's salvation is even greater. And you know what? He, God loves us through our flaws, through our imperfections, and Jesus becomes even more to us. I have another sermon brewing. I won't get to it today. It's a, 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 a flashlight and a mirror, and it has the idea of we love to shine the flashlight on other people's flaws but we don't want to look in the mirror and find our own. And so that's a sermon for another time. Write that down and I'll preach it. I'll preach it later uh, in that. So the, the, it, it, when we look at the context of 1 Samuel, it's the story of the nation of Israel that is going through a very, very dark time. Again, when we start meeting on site, I'll walk you through the Old Testament a little bit more. But in Judges 21-25, this is part of the history of the Old Testament, it says this, In those days Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Can I just tell you, when you do what seems right in your own eyes, that's bad. I think we have a lot of that in our nation today. People are doing what seems right in their own eyes. That's bad. That's bad. And so here's the nation of Israel that was chosen, blessed by God, but they had rejected God as leader, which we're going to see in 1 Samuel, and, were, uh, and they're just living their own way. They just did whatever they thought was, was right. Uh, but God, in the midst of it, is preparing a leader that would bring them back to God. And his name is David. And eventually we're going to look at the life of David. 
Now, in the book of 1 Samuel, although it's leading to David, we don't hear about David for quite a few chapters yet. There are other characters that come that are part of God's plan, but are leading up to David. But know this as well, that David is just leading up to the Messiah. David ultimately leads to Jesus. See, the promises that began with David are fulfilled in Jesus. So we looked at Judges. People were doing what was right in their own eyes. The next book after that is Ruth. And it says this in the genealogy, Ruth 4.22, Obed, Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. So even in the previous book, before 1 Samuel, we're looking towards David. We're looking towards David. Now, because of Jesus, we're looking towards Jesus. We're looking towards Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. Then, that's the Old Testament. Obed, father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. Watch what Matthew says. Jesse was the father of David. Matthew 1.6. David was the father of Solomon. Okay, and that line, jumping down to verse 16, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Watch, watch. Don't, I don't want to lose you here. Watch. God had a plan, and he was carrying it out. He fulfilled it through Jesus. He continues to fulfill his plan through Jesus. And someday Jesus is going to come back and culminate God's plan. And here's what it is. God's people with God for all eternity. First Samuel, although the main character is David, ultimately the main character of the Bible is always Jesus. Okay, so there's a lot of characters in, the, in First Samuel. And I mean characters in every sort of way. There are some good things and there are some real bad things. The first guy I want to look at is a guy named Elkanah. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he starts out 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. I hope that you read 1 Samuel and you take your time and just highlight some of these characters here. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah, and it goes on and talks about different things. I cut that out. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. That word but in there, B-U-T, is a contrast word. First Samuel is a lot of contrasts. Eli's sons, but Samuel. Saul, but David. Okay, So here we have Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Verse 3, each year Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of the heaven's armies. And that's the Lord of hosts at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli. They were Hophni and Phinehas. They were not good guys. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, verse 5, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Verse 7, each year or year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even 
eat. Next week, we're going to look at the life of Hannah, but I want to look at the husband Elkanah first. We know that he was a religious man, that year after year, he would journey and offer up sacrifices uh, as he was commanded. Okay, He was a responsible man in that he provided for his family. So he was a religious man that followed uh, some of the, the laws of God, uh, and he no one perfectly followed the laws of God, but he was a religious man, and so he would take his family, they would journey, they would feast, and they would offer sacrifices. Uh, he seems like a good guy. He was a responsible man. He took care of his family. The prob- one of the problems that he had is that he had two wives. The Bible never condones polygamy. Uh, but as I mentioned to you, the Bible's real. It talks about real people and real flaws. The Bible teaches one man, one wife for life. One man, one wife for life. The Bible clearly states, and I, this is a little joke for those of you that don't know me well. This is a little joke. The Bible clearly states in 1 Timothy 3.2, you can look it up. It says one wife is plenty. One wife is plenty. That's all that a man needs, and you can interpret that however you want. The Bible never condones polygamy. It just reports it, and when it reports it, it never ends well. There's a show on TV, Sister Wives, if you've seen that, uh, and he has all these wives and everything and all the drama that goes along with it. Listen, it's going to become popular in our day. Everything else is. You know why? Because people are doing what seems right in their own eyes. But we follow different standards. We follow the word of God. So here we have in this situation, this celebration of worship, where Elkanah would bring his family, his two wives, to worship the Lord. But for Hannah, it wasn't a celebration. It had to be a terrible time for her. And her, the other wife, Peninnah, would mock her and make fun of her. Can you imagine how awful Peninnah must have been to taunt Hannah about the worst thing in her life, to highlight the thing that hurts her the most and to make fun of her over it. Can you imagine the pain that Hannah experienced? Not only was she unable to have children, which in that day was seen as there was something wrong. Now we know better that sometimes uh, there's just an inability to have children. It's not the curse of God. It's the curse of the body that we live in now. Okay, And so sometimes our bodies don't work the way that we would want them to. But back in that day, they thought God cursed them. And, and so Hannah it wasn't a celebration. It, it was sadness. She would weep. And she would not eat. And so I want to paint this picture of how terrible it was for Hannah to highlight a character trait of Elkanah. And this is one of the examples of a bad character trait. And so look at verse 8. 1 Samuel 1 verse 8. Here's Hannah weeping, being mocked, ridiculed, reminding, reminded of her inability to have children. And here's what Elkanah says. Verse 8. Why are you crying, Hannah, Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be so downhearted just because you have no children? Listen to this. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Doesn't that sound like a typical man? I mean, I've said some really stupid things in my life, believe me. And you all know that. 
But this is really stupid. Here's Hannah, broken to her core. Elkanah says this, why you sound so downhearted? Because you don't have children. You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Look, bad character trait number one. Are you ready? Bad character trait number one, oblivious. He was absolutely oblivious to the pain and the hurt of his wife, whom he loved. If we're going to learn from negative examples, one of the things we can learn from this negative example is that we need to be involved in relationships that matter to us. He was oblivious. That's bad. Don't be like that. Be involved in the relationships that are closest to you. He says, you have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? Something that's not quoted, but I'm sure Hannah either said it out loud or thought it in her mind. This is in the Sabella translation, Sabella translation of the Bible. Hannah says this right after, right after Elkanah says, you have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? She says this. Most people don't know this, but I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. No, you idiot. That's why I'm crying. If you were enough, I wouldn't be weeping. Oblivious. Oblivious. Now, I know men take a, uh, uh, you know, we take a beating on this because a lot of times in relationships we are oblivious. And I get that. But I think there's lessons to be learned here on both sides. And so I'm not picking on men or women. Men aren't as relational and aren't always as intuitive as women are relationally. And I get that. But sometimes women, too, if I can throw this out there, don't always understand what the man is going through just because he doesn't express it. And so as your pastor, I'm going to talk to men and women together. Take time. Take time to know your spouse, to know the people that you love. Don't be oblivious to what's going on in their lives. Don't think you're the answer to all of their problems like Elkanah did. Bad. Bad. So, listen, I'm going to leave you with one word and not leave you because I'm not done yet. Are you still there? Give me an amen in there if you're still there. Give me an amen. Come on. Give me an amen in there. You know Hannah said it. No, you idiot. That's why I'm crying. If you were enough, I wouldn't be weeping. Okay? But I'm going to give you one word one word that's going to change every relationship in your life. Write this down. Write it down. Write it on your heart. One word. One word that will change every relationship in your life. Are you ready? Are you ready for it? It's this. Pay attention. One word. One word that will change every relationship in your life. And it's pay attention. Pay attention. That's what will matter and make a difference in your life. One word. Pay attention to those that you love. Let me tell you a funny story. Before I give you some practical ways to be better at that one word, pay attention. I was waiting to see who was going to correct me first. Can I just throw this out there? Of course it was two women that corrected me first. Can I throw that out there? I'm safe in my studio. I can lock the door. You won't get in through the metal. Two women corrected me and one engineer. I'm just saying. I'll tell you a secret. 
Can I tell you a secret? Don't tell anybody else. I, I know it's two words. I did that on purpose to get you to respond. Sorry. Sorry. I did that to get you to respond. Yay. But paying attention is important. That part I'm serious about. So listen, a woman, this is communication so important. A woman traveled to Paris and found this fabulous bracelet that she'd been looking for. And she t sent a text to her husband who wasn't able to travel with her. And she said, I found this beautiful bracelet, uh, one I've been looking for all my life, and it only costs $7,500. Do you think I can buy it? Her husband texted back what he thought was a clear message. He said, no, price too high. But the problem was when he texted, he was busy doing other things, and he wasn't paying attention to what he wrote, and so he left the comma out. He wanted to text, no, price too high. He left the comma out because he wasn't paying attention, and he wrote back, no price is too high. She was thrilled. See, omitting that comma almost put that guy in a coma. She came home with a $7,500 bracelet. Pay attention. Pay attention. Yes. To my English majors, punctuation matters. Okay, so how do I get better at paying attention? How do I get better at paying attention? I have three s simple points. Stop, listen, and learn. Stop, listen, and learn. Let me tell you this, because you all know me well enough. You know my most of my flaws and all of that. I am horrible at paying attention. I am not good at it. This is not something I've mastered. This is something I want to work on. And I do mean this sincerely. You know the Lord works on my heart before I ever preach things. And I spend the week, Lord, uh, repenting, uh, just asking God for help and forgiveness. And paying attention is one of those things that I know makes a difference. I'm just not always good at it. Sometimes I am, and sometimes I'm not. But that's one area that I want to get better in. And so how do we get better at paying attention? Stop, listen, and learn. Number one, if you're going to pay attention to what is going on in the other person's life, you have to stop doing other things that you're doing. That's why I'm building silence into my time of prayer and fasting. Not silence in front of my wife or, you know, in close relationships. Silence apart from them so I can learn to shut out everything else in my life. My phone, the computer, the texting, uh, TV, video games, um, I don't know, whatever else occupies so much of your attention. Learn to shut those things off and be quiet before the Lord and so you can be better for other people. If you learn to be silent before the Lord, you'll be better for other people. Stop doing whatever it is you are doing. Secondly, listen. Watch. Not just listen. You, you need to write this down. I didn't put it all in the notes. Listen to understand and not just to be understood. I could spend a whole week just on that. Listen to understand and not just to be understood. When we're talking uh, and we're listening, a lot of times we're listening in some sense. We're hearing them, but we're already thinking our response. If there's a disagreement or an argument, whatever it might be, while the other person is talking, we're already thinking about how we can justify ourselves. 
What I'm recommending in order to get to know the other people in your life better, to not be as oblivious as Elkanah was, is to pay attention and to listen to understand and not just be understood. We would call that empathetic listening. And watch this. It involves the eyes and the heart and not just the ears. I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're watching with your family, it's okay because they think you're crazy anyhow. And you already know I'm crazy. I want you to, as I say it, point to your eyes and your heart. Listening, empathetic listening, listening to understand and not just be understood involves your eyes, point to your eyes, and your heart. Okay? That will make a difference in your ability to listen and learn from the other person. You listen for feeling, for meaning, for behavior. You sense, you feel. Empathetic listening and the type of listening so that you will learn to pay attention to that other person involves looking at things from the other person's perspective. Here's a great realization that you need to have. If I can tell you this, I'm sorry, but I'm your pastor and I want you to be better and I want you to grow in your relationship to God and others. Can I tell you, you're not always right. And I'm not always right. We need to learn to listen, pay attention, stop everything else, listen emphatically, listen with your eyes and your heart and not just your ears. Listen to get the other person's perspective so that you can understand what they're saying. Go back to Elkanah. She's weeping because she's being ridiculed, because she feels like God's curse is upon her, because she can't have children. She's weeping. And the best Elkanah would come up with is, you have me, completely oblivious to what she was going through. Stop, listen. And part of this is learn. Learn the nonverbal skills of communication. Learn nonverbal skills of communication. Only 10% of communication is words. 30% is sounds and tones. And 60% is body language. If you want to be better in relationships by paying attention, stop what you're doing, listen to understand and not just be understood, and learn nonverbal. Words are only 10%. 30% through sounds and tones. Loudness. 60% is through body language. If I were talking to you, I don't know if you can see my arms, and I had my arms crossed and I was giving you this, it doesn't matter what I say. I could say, you know, I really love you. I really, I really, I really love you. Boy, that's different, isn't it? Then, you know what? I really love you. And I love what God's doing in your life. See, body language, learn these things, understand, listen to understand and not just be understood. Elkanah was oblivious, that's a bad thing. Being oblivious to others' feelings, desires, and needs is not a good character trait. Remember at the beginning, I said we can learn from good examples and we can learn from bad examples. I'm going to give you Elkanah to start off with. It's a bad example. He was a religious man. He was a responsible man. He provided for his family, but he was oblivious, and his wife suffered for it. 
If you're so wrapped up in your own world that you're oblivious to the needs of others, other people are hurting because of it. I, I know I'm getting a little serious now, and I mean to. If you're oblivious because you're so wrapped up in your own world and you think that you are all that other people need, that's a bad character trait. And I would imagine that you already know that your relationships are hindered because of it. This is an important word today. Let's begin today. Our first prayer request on 21 days of fasting is, God, we want to grow in our relationship to you. And we want to grow in our relationship to others. Don't be oblivious. Two words. Pay attention. Stop what you're doing. Listen to understand and not just to be understood. And learn nonverbal skills so you can feel and sense what other people are communicating to you. It's not just what you say, it's, it's how you say it. Learn not just that in listening, but learn that in speaking as well. Stop, listen, and learn. Elkanah, religious, responsible, but oblivious. We don't want to be like that in our relationships. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's type in an amen there for us. Listen, we, you know, we joke and it's a tool that I use. It fits my personality. But I so desperately want you to grow in your relationship to God and others. There's a lot of pressure in our world. And there's a lot of things going on. And uh, it's easy to get caught up in our own things and be oblivious to the things of others. Let's be people of character. Let's be people of God. Aren't you thankful that God is not oblivious to us and to our needs? And even though He created and He maintains the universe, He stops and He listens to us. And He knows what we're going through. I love the stories of Jesus, and I'll start to close with this. I love the stories of Jesus where He pulled people aside and he would put their hand on them and often the disciples thought it was a distraction but Jesus knew it was an appointment and he stopped and he listened and he learned and he ministered to them where they were oh, I want to be more like Jesus let's pray together oh Lord God we all have so many things in our lives we need to work on help us Lord in our relationship to you and in our relationship to others. Love God. Love others. That pretty much sums everything up for us. Help us, Lord, to grow in that. On this first day of prayer and fasting, whatever we're setting aside today, starting tomorrow, whatever it is, may this prayer be today. Help us to grow. Help us to grow in our walk with you. I pray, Lord, your hand on every person that's listening, on every uh, relationship that's represented, Lord, today. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for our great church that we have the privilege of being a part of. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been great to be with you.
I'm looking and seeing our highest total of people watching that I've that we've ever had. Um, I don't know what's going on next week yet, but we'll let you know. Uh, I will, with the help of the board and other leaders in the church, we'll make the best decision that we possibly can. Um, we don't often know what to do either. Uh, there's no rule book for some of the decisions we've had to make, but know that all of our decisions are based on love for God and for you. Uh, there's no other agenda other than loving God and loving you and trying to do what's best for our church. Thanks for your understanding through these difficult times. And I, I'm not saying that because we're getting grief, because uh, we're not at all. Uh, we're not getting grief at all, but I just wanted you to know that. Well, let's close with our benediction. We went a little longer than usual, but I had some things I wanted to get out to you. Now to him who is able, still true, to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine to him be glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.